Barnabas. Well, it's, it's an absolute privilege uh, to be with you here this morning. It's, um, I've come a few times now, and I, I'm, I'm always glad to be here. Such a warm welcome that I get, and uh, it's great. And it was great to actually see uh, yeah, uh, Jeremy in his trousers. We always guess at Grimsby Baptist Church what color it's going to be each week. So he's gone for red this week, so it's, um, it was great. Isn't it wonderful, the work of good news for everyone? Uh, my grandfather was a Gideon, and I would always have such great respect for what he did as he went to schools, as he went uh, and distributed Bibles. It, w- it was just an amazing thing. He's, he's with the Lord rejoicing now, praise God. Uh, but uh, what a wonderful work that he had. And then I think of a good friend of mine who's, who's currently out in Papua New Guinea, Steve Stanley, his name. And, and he came to know the Lord through reading a Gideon New Testament. He read it through twice. And uh, he, he, he just was so convinced of the scriptures, just like uh, the three testimonies we saw there. He was convinced, and he gave his heart to the Lord. And then he gave his life uh, to ministry. He's just on the, the very cusp of bringing uh, the, the, the word of God to the Koval people. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that amazing? Somebody that was saved and, and is now uh, going to bring uh, the gospel message to a people group that has never had a chance to hear. That's, that's bringing the, the Word of God and moving on. It's powerful, isn't it? We've just been singing about it. It's, it's life to those who hear it. Let's turn in our Bibles then to our passage there in, in, in John chapter 6, verses 1 to 15. John chapter 6, verses 1 to 15. Once you're there, we're going to be talking about this miracle, which was, was wonderfully read to us just a little while ago. And it's a miracle that, that we know is it's probably the most familiar of all miracles. It's mentioned in all four Gospels. Now Spurgeon says of, this, of this, this miracle that it's in four Gospels for this reason. He says, it's there that we won't forget how much the Lord can do with little things that are yielded to him. And I think he's right. It's a wonderful story, isn't it? It excites us. It, it, it makes us realize that, that even, even though we haven't got a lot to offer, God can do much. It's a, it's a wonderful story that we've we perhaps grown up hearing at home, in, in our homes. Our, our parents may have taught it to us. Maybe we've heard it in Sunday school over and over, even in our schools years ago. But sadly, that's not the case anymore, is it? It's wonderful when uh, the Gideons get that chance, or the, the good news for everyone, get that chance uh, to, to speak into schools. It's not very often that that happens these days. But growing up in assemblies, we may have heard this wonderful story. But despite its familiarity, let's dive back uh, into it and be reminded of its truth because we so easily forget God's truth, don't we? We do. And it's good to even go back to the familiar. Picture in your mind that this small boat that is is traveling across the the Lake of Galilee. It's bobbing along uh, quite nicely. In the boat, there's this group of, of men, uh, these, these followers of Jesus and Jesus himself. They're all dreaming of, of peace and quiet, a place to get away from the hustle and bustle of the day to, to a time where they can rest and recuperate. All at, at the same time, there's this crowd that's moving along the shore, watching the boat probably, working out where it's going to dock, where is it, it going to land, where's Jesus and his disciples going to get out? hustling, running along the shore perhaps, trying to get to Jesus. They are drawn like flies to the light, yet yet it is not the light of the world that they're really trying to see. They want to see the spectacular. They want to see more miracles. They want to bring their sick to be healed. They want to see all of these things. 
the boat docks and Christ and his disciples make their way up the low-lying slopes of the mountain. Beautiful, lush green grass, we read. The mountainside, it is springtime. It's, it's not long before Passover. Jesus, at last, sits down with his companions. Maybe he's just about to relax. and get. Maybe the disciples are just thinking, wow, at last. But just as they do, they see the huge crowd drawing towards them, coming up the hill. 5,000, well, I think more. And so do the commentators. They, they, they say that maybe 20,000 were coming toward this great, hungry horde coming towards them. Men, 5,000 maybe, but with the women and children, it must have been far greater number. Some say as many as 28,000, 30,000. Could have been one massive crowd, enough to fill the, the, the Lincoln City Stadium twice. Because it's a very small stadium, to be honest. Let's, let's be fair. You know, one thing's for sure that, uh, that, that Christ and his disciples were not able to get the, the, the rest and the peace that they, they wanted and they had hoped for for a while. I, and I do love the fact that our Savior uh, makes time to, 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 with his disciples to try and get some rest. Time to, to, to recuperate, recuperate and just spend some intimate time uh, with his followers. I think Christ is a great example to us when it comes to ministry. You know, pastors and, and full-time Christian workers, missionaries, are so apt to keep going and going with the ministry and, and never stop. It, it dominates their lives, and, and burnout is not an uncommon thing with, with Christian workers. You know, as, as, as Daniel comes to be your pastor very soon, watch out for him. Look out for him. Make sure he, he has that time to recuperate and take that time to rest. It's so easy uh, to burn out in, mission, in ministry. A missionary from Argentina who had been working hard for the Lord for 18 years, spreading the gospel, church planting, learning language and culture and all of those things. Busy, 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 busy. He came home from the mission field and he said this, I felt empty like a treasure box that had been ransacked, like a wrinkly old orange from which all the juice had been squeezed. Years of demanding work and, and attending the needs of people, teaching, dealing with disputes, living in a foreign culture, all of these things had just completely drained him. He had come to the end of himself. He, he could no longer function, worn out, tired. He was desperate in need of recuperation. Burnout is something as a church or as a mission society we must be alert to. Jesus loved his disciples and cared about their, their needs. He says in, in another gospel at this, at this time, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Isn't that beautiful, Mark 6.31? Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So for both missionaries on the field and ourselves even in our own lives, because we can be busy with our secular work as well and then do ministry on top of that. And it can, you can also do too much. Make sure you take that time to rest as well. We, like the disciples, need to come outside to that solitary place. Perhaps like me, go for a walk. I love walking. I love getting out there and pouring out my heart, my anxieties uh, to the Lord. It's a wonderful 
time. You, I can speak it out loud and some people who might see me in the distance might think I'm going mad. But I love to do that. Unburden ourselves to the Savior. Cast our care upon him because he's told us to do so, hasn't he? Perhaps he's calling you this morning just to do that. Maybe you have gone crazy this week. Uh, I, I've had a crazy week. I've been all over uh, the place. I'm, I'm thinking of myself. I, I've been in, in Nottingham. I've been in Cambridge. I'm twice in Norwich this week, just, just sharing uh, in different places. And it can be so exhausting how we need to guard our time with the Lord and guard our times of rest. Come to me, all you who are heavy laden, laden says the Lord. And I will give you rest. Don't get me wrong. Christ never calls us to be lazy. Labor always comes before rest. You know, however, however, rest for his, his, his Jesus' disciples at this point was not going to come, is it? We get back to our passage here. It will come later. The crowd will disperse later on. But for now, their peace had been disturbed, and there was work to be done. According to the other Gospels, the people came to him, and he received them with kindness. He, he taught them about the kingdom of God and, and had, began healing them and, and doing great things amongst them. He, he, he expressed all his compassion towards them, and the work began. But here we have, first of all, the hungry horde before him, the hungry horde. Jesus, the compassionate Christ, realizes this group must be hungry. He knows it would have taken them a while to have walked around the lake, and, and they for sure would have worked up a good appetite. Don't you work up a good appetite, especially if you go for a walk along the sea? That sea air, get down to Grimsby or Cleethorpes and, and, and get, suck it in, then you'll soon want those fish and chips, won't you? Absolutely. It makes you peckish. And then he had been teaching and healing, and that must have taken some time. And so the hunger would have grown, and maybe the kids started moaning. You know what it's like, don't you, if you're parents? I'm hungry. You know, I'd imagine the hunger would have gone there. Maybe some of the adults would have even got hangry. Have you, do you know what hangry is? Yeah? Yeah? Does anybody feel hangry right now? Lunch is a little ways away yet, but are you feeling hangry? Well, my, my daughter suffers from that. I think she inherited it from her father. Hangriness. Hangriness. You, you just get this kind of anxious feeling because you've got to eat. You have to eat. I need something to eat. Maybe some of the adults there uh, were feeling that. They were hungry. They were ready to eat. But let us remember the hunger in their stomachs was nothing compared to the hunger in their souls. You know, Christ's primary reason for coming to this earth was not to feed the hungry, not to do good works, but to work miracles. Not to work miracles, but to save sinners. Isn't it? That was his primary reason for being there. There is, of course, this mandate in Scripture to help the poor and needy. We must. Don't ignore the needs of those around us. And I know as a church you don't. We are not to ignore those needs. But primarily, we need, like Jesus, to, to, to intervene where, where there are sinners that are lost in darkness. We need to speak his name. We need to preach uh, the gospel to those that are in need. Yes, we need to give to the poor. Yes, we need to take care of the sick. Yes, we must comfort those who mourn. Yes, we must speak out where there's injustice and there's so much good work going on. But never forget to share the gospel message. That's the primary thing, isn't it? James says, doesn't he, if a, a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and one of you says to him, go in peace and be warmed and filled 
without giving him the, the things needed of the body, what good is that? We must accompany it. We must bring the gospel. We can't ignore those things. He says there, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. We must be ready to help where we can. But oh, how much more do people need the Savior? For he alone can give them hope for eternity. The gospel message must be the priority. People will not thank us for feeding them with food and never telling them about Jesus. When they face the judgment seat of Christ, they need Jesus Christ primarily, don't they? It won't be any good that we have fed them uh, with bread and, and fish or whatever it might be. We know from the other Gospels that Christ had been teaching this crowd already before. He had taught about the kingdom, it says. His desire and priority had been to feed this crowd spiritually. Second thing I, I notice here is, is the doubting disciples. So we've got the hungry whore. We've got a bit of alliteration this morning. I had a bit of fun. The doubting uh, dis disciples. And Jesus says here in these verses, doesn't he? Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? And then verse 6, he said, said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. And, and Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get even a little. And one of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many? Don't you just love that, that, that every biblical character seems to be flawed like you and me? We can relate to that, can't we? None of them were perfect saints, and, and it gives me hope. It really does. Philip says, even if we worked for months, we, we couldn't have enough money to feed them. Andrew says, uh, 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 what good is it that with this so, such huge crowd? He looks at this meager lunchbox from this, this young lad and says, that ain't going to do it. That's not going to cut it. I don't think Christ is showing us we, we shouldn't be careful about finance or that we shouldn't be realistic about how to uh, uh, help people practically. Yet what Christ wants them to understand is that faith means to, that, that faith means to prove God can do above and beyond, immeasurably above all that we ask and think. It says that in Ephesians 3.20, doesn't it? He can do above and beyond what we think. They had no idea what was about to happen. They looked at the situation as most of us would as human beings, wouldn't we? This was impossible. It really was. Maybe 20,000 people here and we're going to feed them with this. Come on, Lord. What, what, what are you talking about? It's crazy. They still had so much to learn, though, didn't they, about the Savior, the God who specializes in things thought impossible. Uh, we used to sing a chorus in Bible school. It went like this. Got any rivers you think are uncrossable? Got any mountains you can't tunnel through? God specializes things for, with, with things thought impossible. He does the things others cannot do. Do we believe that this morning? Do we? I sometimes wonder with our faith, do we really believe God can do the impossible? What excites me is that God chooses to use us as weak human beings, and, and just like Philip and Andrew here, weak human beings to do the impossible. Hudson Taylor says this, all God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on God being with them. 
God only uses inadequate people. God only uses inadequate people. I can raise my hand and say I'm an inadequate person. Anybody, anybody else inadequate out there? Oh, there, there are. That's good. That's good to see. Yeah, I'm not the only one. There were, were a few very capable people out there, I noticed, but that's really good. God knows all about us, and, and he has done from the beginning. Whatever we think about ourselves, however useless or pathetic uh, we may feel, we are made for his glory. He, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, it says in Psalm 139, and God wants to use us to reach a world for him. One of the cruelest things I remember from school was being chosen for sport. Does anybody remember this, this thing? Line up against the wall, they say. Line up against the wall. Uh, the captains will choose who is going to be in their team. And I remember just standing by that wall, uh, just being the very last person. And you're like, oh. You know, because I had two left feet. I wasn't good at sports. I might have a name of Steven Gerrard, but I wasn't great at football. Let, let me tell you, I was not. And I was always last to be picked when it came to sports. And I love sports. It really was an embarrassing thing. But God doesn't choose us like that. Praise God, he chooses us for his service, not based on my ability. I love what Paul says to the Corinthians. Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise, according to the worldly standard. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. Hang on. What's God doing here? Hang on a second. Surely those are the people I would choose. No. No. God would choose the influential people, surely. No, he goes on. He says, verse 27, but God chose what is foolish in this world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human might boast in the presence of God. Hallelujah. We can all aspire to that, can't we? Foolish, weak, lowly, despised. These are the people that God uses, and I thank God for that. Because he used me. Another Hudson Taylor quote. God uses men who are weak and feeble enough to lean on him. We can all aspire to that, can't we? Weak, feeble. You know, Philip and Andrew were worried about the possibility of feeding such a, a large crowd. You know, next week we have our REACH conference. 200 and 30 uh, young people will be coming to New Tribes Mission to do their youth conference. And uh, uh, we're excited by that. It's fantastic. But it's a logistical nightmare. Humanly, we're like, hang on a second. How are we going to get all these beds ready? How are we going to feed all these people? How are we going to be ready in time for next weekend? And that's just 230, uh, 20,000 plus people. Uh, logistically, it must have been a nightmare for these disciples. Yet God wants us to look and see what he can do. We sympathize with our human reaction because that's how we look at things, don't we? We try and be practical. We try and look at the finances. We look at all of these things, but we, we forget God can do so much more. We have been missionaries a, a long time now. You, you can see the gray hair. It's starting to come. It's been 30 years that, that we started off with New Tribes Mission, but I can tell you Story after story after story of situations where God has done what, is, what we thought was absolutely impossible. 
Stories where we've been so anxious in our humanness about finances, and yet God has once again provided. We, in all of that time, living by faith, have never once gone into debt because Christ has provided just at the right time. He steps in. But do we doubt and still worry? I wish I could say yes. Uh, Say no, rather. (laughs) I do say yes. You know... we don't always find it easy to cast our care and our anxiety upon him. We, we never know where, where the way God is going to pray. And he, he tests us and he, and, and, and he makes us pray and he makes us get down on our knees. However, I do hope we've begun to learn, just as Philip and Andrew are about to learn, our God will supply all our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. We find that in Philippians 4.19. He will supply all our needs. Thirdly, and moving on very much from that, the more than satisfying Savior. The more than satisfying Savior. Jesus goes beyond anything we could ever imagine in performing this incredible miracle. Let's just read it once more. Jesus, Jesus said, have the, the, the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number, And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftovers, fragments, that nothing may be lost. And so they gathered them up and and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. Philip Andrew and the other disciples witnessed something that must have been absolutely out of this world in their minds. It would have blown their minds, as we often say. There was something truly awesome in the, the real sense of the world, not the way our young people use that word. They say awesome. Oh, this is awesome. Oh, no, any. It, 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 that's not, this was truly awesome. This was mind-blowing. No magician on earth could have done what Jesus did in providing food for this multitude of hungry people. I love the fact here also that that they picked up 12 basket foods of leftovers. I love nothing was wasted. That's a nod uh, to our throwaway society today, isn't it? Uh, They picked them up. They they didn't just leave them there just to waste. They, They used it. Philip and Andrew had done the mass They'd, done, uh, they, they'd worked out the logistics, and the answer was impossible. But they had not taken into account their Savior, had they? They had not taken a, into account their Savior. Jesus gives thanks for this meager supply of food, uh, which would have, been bigger, would have been a big sacrifice for this little boy. You imagine, I, I, what little boy wants his lunch taken away from him? Can you imagine? <laughs> You're taking my dinner. No. It was a sacrifice for him. And he takes it and he uses it and he blesses it and he sends it out. And everyone is fed. Jesus gives thanks for the the food. Notice Jesus gives thanks for the food, by the way. I trust we still do that. I I think grace becomes a a thing of the past in some households these days. But we must, we're told to give thanks for all that we have day after day after day. He gives thanks for the food. The food was then distributed to the seated crowd. How did he do that? Any answer? No, 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 nobody knows, do they? The commentators don't know how it worked out. 
you know, somehow uh, these disciples went from row to row to row and, and the food just kept coming and coming and coming. And I don't know how. I can't give you any answers on that. And I don't think anybody else can. Because God is a God of the miraculous, of the impossible. What I do know is that we believe by faith these things, don't we? We don't doubt them. Jesus can do those things, can't he? You trust that he can do the miraculous? He, amen, he can. There was food for all, uh, not, no, not just those in the, the, the front row. I have to say this as a missionary. There's it, definitely an application here. There was food for those, all people that were there. The disciples they kept going further and further down the grassy slope. Everyone got their food. They, they kept distributing and the food kept multiplying and no one was left unfed. Everyone got the fill of bread and fish. All were satisfied by the miracle of the Savior. You know, it, it's the same with the distribution of the gospel, isn't it? Jesus wants to go, us to go to some of the world. No. He doesn't want to just go to the front rows. He wants us to go all the way to the back. He wants us to see the gospel message, the bread of life spread as far to the ends of the, world, ends of the earth, doesn't he? He didn't just distribute it to those front rows. He didn't go and say, just, just give bread and fish to the 42%. Do you realize there are 42% of this world that are unreached? No, it's 100%. Everybody needs to hear of Jesus Christ. You know, the church is doing next to nothing about reaching the unreached. This, that, 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 is, that is such a, a, a sad testimony when Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. We, we haven't got there yet. The disciples kept going. And I know it doesn't mention it here, but in the other gospels, it, 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 it does. It says they kept going to everyone who, so, so that everyone had a chance to eat. What was it, the last thing Christ ever said to his disciples? You will be my witnesses. In Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And the echo command, uh, of that command goes down through the centuries, doesn't it? To his, uh, it? He spoke it to his disciples, but it's as much as he was speaking it right into our ears right now. That command, that great commission. Everyone needs to be playing their part in seeing the gospel reach the ends of the earth before he comes. Everyone. For Jesus is more than physical bread, and we heard about it earlier, didn't we? He is the living bread. You're going to hear more about that next week. Verse 35, which we, 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 you're going to hear more about this wonderful living bread. The bread that will more than satisfy uh, the needy soul. The, the bread of life is indeed eternal life to all who believe. And that bread needs to go to everyone, every tribe, nation, and tongue. Oh, how we need to pray earnestly for workers to go to those difficult places. Because it's all the difficult places that are left to reach, you know. The easy places we have been to. But it's the difficult ones that still need to hear. Those thousands of people groups that have yet to hear. Then there was the abundance of food. The 12 baskets of leftovers. Uh, when they only started with this small pack lunch, it amazes me. I, I love the fact that more often uh, than not, Jesus blesses beyond what we ask for. He so often gives us more than we even 
need. It's just amazing. All of our missionaries that live by faith, and as part of my leadership role, I, I have to keep an eye on, on missionaries' finances, make sure they're doing okay. And they are. They're doing okay. They're getting what they need. But there are times as well when God blesses beyond, and, and we rejoice as a leadership when we see that, where God steps in in a miraculous and a wonderful way, and they get beyond in their finances. But all the more so, what about in a spiritual sense? Does God bless us beyond what we can ever imagine? It's coming to church this morning and hearing about those wonderful testimonies from good news uh, to everyone. Does that not bless your soul? Does that not bring you uh, to the heavenlies and say, thank you, Lord, for saving those people? Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to get your word out uh, to our community. God blesses us beyond what we even ask. Listen to the psalmist. It's, it's one of my, my favorite psalms, Psalm 63. And it says there, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Is that you this morning? Are you rejoicing, lifting up his name, praising with joyful lips? Because Jesus is more than satisfying, more and satisfying. Finally, and very shortly, well, I know that my time is up. The perceptive people, the perceptive people, we're going to be talking, they recognized that, that Jesus was this great prophet, and they recognized that he was their king. It says there, verse 14, when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is come into the world. And perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Though their motivation for coming to Jesus was, was to see the spectacular, they wanted to see the miracles. Though what impressed them most was the fact that they, they had been fed and they had, they had full stomachs. They did come to the right conclusion about who Jesus was. They saw him as the, the promised one, the, the, the prophet, the, the, the Messiah. They saw him as their king, although they fell short, for they did not see him as savior. It fell short because they only saw him as the earthly king. They saw him as, as the one who would, would help them to overthrow their Roman masters. He, they saw him uh, as the one who would set up an earthly kingdom right there and then. So that wasn't what he was there for at this point. No. He was to be their heavenly king. Far more than just the earthly king. Far more than just any prophet. He is the son of God. He is the Lord of lords. He is the righteous one. He is the prince of peace. He is the holy one. The, 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 the perfect, glorious, from everlasting son of God. There are great religions like Islam, aren't there? Big religions. Millions and multitudes follow them. And they recognize Jesus as prophet. There are, there are cults and sects who, who see that Jesus was a king. But they don't recognize the deity of the Son of God. Often they seem to have so much of the truth. And yet, just like this crowd, they fall short. And it should break our hearts when we think 
of those who are trapped in these religious uh, outfits. For one day they, like us, will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. They will one day see who Jesus is. For every knee shall bow. We read that in Philippians 2 verse 9. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the God the Father. I trust this morning you are ready for that day, that you do recognize Jesus as Lord and Savior, that you have come to trust him as as your personal uh, uh, Savior, that you know him, that you believed in him and believed that he has come and died for you and taken away your sins. For one day you will uh, face the judgment seat of Christ. And There'll be those that will, 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 will be cast into eternity in hell and those who will be with him forever in heaven. Are you ready for that day? Are we telling others? Are we going out there? Are we spreading this, this good news for everyone? Are we taking it to the world so that there'll be others with us, some from every tribe and nations rejoicing around that throne? It'll be a wonderful day when that happens. Get the message out there to the hungry horde that are out there. Get out there. You might be weak as doubting disciples, but God can use you. We can get out there because we know that we have a more than satisfying Savior that will take care of the needs of those we bring this message to. Let us recognize our Savior and go out there and tell of him. Let's just pray. Father, thank you for your word that is so powerful. It is like a two-edged sword that uh, drives even between soul and spirit. Lord, we thank you, that, Lord, that your word teaches us and encourages us and challenges us to go out and make your name known. May we glorify you with our lives even this week. May we not forget what you have taught us this morning. May we just speak out for you, bring this good news to everyone. Amen.